Hello, and welcome to Millennial Ministry, the podcast for young adults for Village Presbyterian Church. Uh, I am your host, Matt. With me is Trenton. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. It's coming on the Christmas season, so like Jenny Mitchell, I'm looking forward to it. How are you? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm doing good. Um, Christmas is one of my favorite holidays because of, of just a whole bunch of things, right? Like there aren't a lot of holidays that are also sort of coinciding with the season, right? I mean, like 4th of July is a, is a sunny summer holiday. Exactly. But there's not really, you know, other holidays that are so integrated with the season that, that Christmas is, is in. And so just everything together and the fact that New Year's is right around the corner, it's, it's, it's just my favorite holiday. However, one of the things that I do not like is Christmas music being played too early? Ooh. And how do you feel about that? Okay, so this is where I'm different than most people. I write so much in my job and in my life that I listen to it year-round. So, like, I'll stop around January 1st, and then instrumental Christmas music will work its way back in by March 15th because it's just so peaceful and quiet when I'm trying to focus. So it can be July and 98 degrees outside and you're going to listen here in my apartment just banging out Mary Did You Know on piano. Jim Brickman gets a lot of cash money from me. You know, I think that I honestly think that's that's a perfectly legitimate way to do it. That is yeah. that if you like, you just listen to it year, year round. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, what, what I don't like, though, is like, you know, and maybe I'm just a Scrooge here, but when people start to listen to Christmas music in, in October, yeah, like... Most most years I get mad about it. This year I've gotten far less mad about it because you know of of just like everything that's happened. <laughs> if if you find joy in Christmas music, go for it. But in general, you know, I'm, you know, whatever in twenty twenty makes you happy. If you're feeling Thanksgiving music and we gather together, then just like pump those jams. Makes sense. Uh, but also another thing uh, that's that's sort of different this year for me is that as a musician, I play a lot of Christmas music and I rehearse a lot of Christmas music. So part of my Scrooge dumb, um, which is a word I'm, I'm declaring right now, part of my Scrooge dumb has come from years and years and years and years of rehearsing Christmas music as early as October. Right. Oh yeah. Um, other people can basically actively choose when they want to enter into this Christmas thing. But as a musician, I have to start rehearsing it months in advance. And this happens every year. Oh yeah. I play, I play the same kinds of things every year, but this year I'm not playing a single thing of Christmas music just because the ensembles, I, you know, I have done a little bit of, of, of music outside. Mm -hmm. um, we, rec we recorded something for the wind symphony. Um, and as it's cold, like I, I'm not rehearsing or doing any music. So for the first time in a really long time, I have a fresh, like entering into the Christmas music season, just like all other non-musicians. And that's, this is kind of nice, honestly. I like that. I like that. When I was in high school, I was in the church orchestra. I remember like we'd start rehearsing the church Christmas music, like in September at University United Methodist in San Antonio. And it'd be like 97 degrees and you'd be walking in to go play like the Jingle Bell Suite or something. And, you know, just getting blasted in the face by an air conditioner. And so I'm with you, like now that it's, now, I'm sure you feel this, but now that you're off from it, you can appreciate it more. Is it, it's in the right time and in the right context. Absolutely. I am a uh, musician by, by education. I have a music degree. That's, that's my, uh, that's my college education. And so I can talk about like music 
um, and Christmas music itself a lot. And I guess that's a good thing uh, right now because we are uh, entering into Advent. And so therefore we are talking about Christmas music. Um, And actually one of my favorites, um, if not maybe my favorite Christmas piece of music uh, of all time for me is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And that just happens to be what we're talking this week about. Yeah, and uh, that's a great segue. There's a reason they call you the host, uh, because you know how to get us on on track. But yes, this Advent, uh, Hallie and I will both be teaching. Hallie was unable to join us this evening uh, to record this, but we thought it'd be fun to have two white guys offer their opinions. And, that's just a podcast in general, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, truly, you know, what are two, two or two white guys with a mi- microphone, a podcast. We are going to be talking about learning the Christmas story uh, through Christmas carols. So we're going to start our first week here with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and talk about Advent and the idea of waiting, which is a very on-brand 2020 conversation. And then we'll move into the actual birth, and then we'll move into what happens next uh, for the final week. So this is going to be a fun and kind of relaxed series um, that takes us through the Christmas story and song. Yeah, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is, is just a hymn, just like any other hymn, but it is a Christmas hymn, um, meaning that it is, you know, meant to be sung during Christmas time and specifically during Advent. Um, yeah. So can you sort of explain what the sort of liturgical place that O Come, O Come, Emmanuel occupies? Yeah, so let's, let's talk about this a little bit, and we're going to really get into this, I'm sure, when we uh, gather together on Thursday. But O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is our oldest Christmas song. We know that the, the text of it, um, the, uh, oh, it's called the O Antiphons. So the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, O Come branch of Jesse's tree, the seven antiphons in it, date from about the 800s. So this is a song that's been sung every Christmas, every Advent for thousands of years. And the uh, actual music from it dates from about 1200, the modal music for it. And so this is an ancient hymn. This is an ancient song that we have sung, and it dovetails well. So Advent means waiting, and it means waiting on something that you know is coming. So for a very simplistic explanation, it would be like when you were in school, for those who don't still work in school, but uh, it would be like when you were in school and it'd be March, and you'd be waiting for the last day of school, and you know it was coming, and you know it was coming, and you know that there'd be signs of when it would be because it would be warm outside and the flowers in the spring and the whole deal. Advent is the same idea that we're, that you're waiting on the deliverance of God. You're waiting on the deliverance of the birth of the savior, the arrival of the savior in the Jewish tradition. And the Christian faith is full of seasons of Advent. You know, we have an Advent period before Christmas. We have an Advent period and the three days following Good Friday, we have an Advent period that we're waiting on now. When uh, Pastor Tom talks about God's promised day, that's an Advent period. That's, that's a waiting period. So to be in Advent is to be in the Christian faith. And I think that that's what's kind of cool about this song is it's one of the few of the Christmas season that expresses that deep longing of, of waiting when you know something so good's around the corner, but you just have to sit and wait. You know, it's an interesting point, I think, to think of the Advent as not just a time of Christmas waiting, but in general, that mm-hmm. Advent is a period of waiting that happens before any any event, you know, before Easter, before before any time of events. Uh, but obviously, the Christmas Advent time gets the most uh, attention for yeah. perhaps obvious reasons. Well, you know, it's the, one that, it's the one that forces us to repeat every year, but I think that we, as human beings really like to rush past the waiting 
and we like to we like to just get to the thing. And so uh, Matt was saying earlier that he doesn't like Christmas music played too early, and I I sympathize with that in a theological sense as well because technically we don't celebrate Christmas until starting on the 25th. And then in most traditions that aren't Protestant, uh, which is what we are, the celebration lasts until January 6th. It lasts until Epiphany. And so Christmas, which is what this is, Christmas Day is an old mass, would last 12 days of feasting and of celebrating and of rejoicing that the light had come back into the world and the days were getting longer. But you have to remember that Advent itself is because all the way through Advent, the days are still getting shorter. The days are still getting darker and you're still really, really hoping that God's going to come back, that Christ is going to come, that the Savior is going to come. And I think that in our own lives, 2020 has been one of the first times that the world's been in Advent on mass, that everyone is waiting. Everyone is in expectation because we know this vaccine's going to come but we're getting into the darkest days of this damn thing. And we know there's going to be vaccines once a couple ingredients hit, but we know that the darkest and the coldest and the, and the shortest days, we still have to push through to get there. And I think, um, you know, from a musical perspective, um, what's interesting about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is uh, the, the text of the hymn Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty uplifting. Um, you know, the refrain is rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. And that's, you know, rejoice. That's, you know, a happy, happy thing. For instance, like bid all our sad divisions cease and be yourself our king of peace. Uh, and that's just one such uh, verse. There are a couple of different texts to uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's pretty uplifting, but the song itself is not in a major key. Right. And, you know, from, from a musical perspective, and this is just really super simplifying it, major keys, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, that is a major key. Mm-hmm. And technically it's in like the Dorian mode, which I won't get into, but, but O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is basically in a minor key. And what that means is, uh, a minor key has a different set of notes in the scale uh, than a major key. And the chords built on those notes sound different because there's a different set of notes in it. And yeah. all that's to say that um, in minor keys, they sound sad because of complicated reasons, but minor keys sound sad, but they are not inherently sad. You know, a minor chord is not always a sad thing. It's just, we've, we've sort of associated that with sadness over, you know, a long period of of musical history. But I think it's really sort of powerful when these, these moments of longing and these moments of, of thinking positively and hoping towards the future uh, to harken back to our, one of our series this year in theology Thursdays is that it's, it's this hopeful text um, that's forward looking text, but it is not a super duper happy go lucky. It's not a happy uh, chord structure uh, necessarily. And I think that lends sort of a, a depth to it that, you don't really get for a lot of other other pieces of music. You just don't find a lot of happier forward thinking or hopeful pieces of music that are in non-major keys. And I think that's one of the the draws of this. And I think it is reflective of the the piece of music and of how different kinds of waiting have a complexity to it. 
Yeah. And, you know, if you really want to layer on the, the waiting and the nerdiness of this, because you make a very good point. The, the new music, the, the setting for it was a funeral was used in, in funerals. Um, it comes from a funeral mass. And so when they took that, that musical setting, whatever the correct term is there, uh, they took it from a funeral mass and they appended it to a song about waiting and really after death, especially for the Catholics, that's another period of waiting and another period of hope and another period of known deliverance, but an unknown, unquantifiable gap. And so they took something that was about, that was set to the tune of death, but made it to a tune of life while keeping the mournful sound. And I think that's an interesting point you just brought up. The piece and the hymn is about waiting and as as we've talked before, how would you position this this hymn in relation to some of the other uh, Christmas hymns that that we talk about? Like, why do we have to have a time for waiting specifically for Christmas, um, and why do we have different kinds of of music throughout mm-hmm. Christmas? You know, we have stuff that we'll talk about later about the birth of Jesus. Why is it important to have uh, something like this when we know the outcome already? Sure. That's a good question. I think, I think it reminds us what we have to go through to get to the good. Um, I think that in life and in theology specifically, waiting is what makes things taste better. When you get to something, it's better than when you just get something. And maybe I'm wrong, but we have to acknowledge that there were 400 years of silence between the completion of the last book of the Old Testament and the beginning of the new. And so I think this reminds us of that, of 400 years of people waiting for this promised Savior without a single new, I'm going to say communication from God, but which oversimplifies it. But it it's the idea that sometimes God is quiet and sometimes you just have to trust that things are going to happen. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And I don't want to oversimplify that for people who are going through difficult periods, but for Christmas waiting for that, for that Christmas Eve, waiting for that, for the uh, light to come into the world is the ultimate final countdown. And so I think that, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is a song of promise, but also a song of acknowledging that things that time passes while you're waiting. And I also love that O Come, O Come, Emmanuel in the liturgical sense, in the Catholic sense, when it's in Latin, it was Vini, Vini, or Winnie, Winnie. It's a command. It's imperative. So it's, it's, a, it's a command to the Savior. It's saying... It's not saying like, oh, please. It's not saying like, we'd really appreciate it if. It's saying, in essence, get your ass down here. Let's, let's hustle. Because we're hurting and we're lonely and we're sad and we're scared and it's dark and it's cold and the days are short. And I think that that is what Advent is, is we're waiting, but we're also, you know, to borrow a phrase from my old baseball coach, telling God to get on his horse and ride or her horse and ride and hustle up. And I think that that's kind of what Vinny, what Okamakon Manuel is. It's a beautiful song, but it's also a command, like, let's go. That makes sense. If we 
I am not sure if we are able to play a version of Okomokoma Manual uh, on this podcast here. Um, if you're listening and there is one attached to it, then I got my way and we worked it all out. I don't know if it's even licensed at this point or if it's in, it's in the, the... I'm sure it's in the common use. Common, yeah, domain. Well, anyway, what, what I'm saying here is, is we'll try to stick uh, a version of this at the end so you can listen to it because there's nothing quite like, you know, listening to what we're talking about. Uh, before, before we close this out, this is just a fun tidbit uh, related to a Kamakami manual. It can be really long. There are uh, seven verses to it in a lot of different uh, hymn books, um, depending on what, you know, kind, kind of, of version of it you're seeing. There are a couple of slightly different versions of it. I, sung all seven verses with the refrain at a plodding tempo at a event called the city come of come again, which is at grace and Holy Trinity in downtown Kansas city. Um, William yeah. Joel, which is my uh, alma mater does, does music for it. And for what, for whatever reason, somebody chose to do a come, a come Emmanuel and not just do a selection of it, but to do all seven verses of it plus the refrain at a very slow tempo and i about died at the end of it so it's a wonderful song but too much of a good thing <laughs> is not a good thing amen to this we've got some great uh we're gonna have you know come and come emmanuel and then we'll have some fun with the other other two nights of, of um this as well so once we get through the waiting we get to the arriving and that's where some different theology kicks in all right, and we will be there to talk about it. But for now, just like I was saying, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. So <laughs> we'll just go ahead and uh, sign off. Just be sure to visit our website at villageprezya.org. Again, that's villageprezya.org. Uh, visit our website, take a look around, see what we've got going on. And we are looking forward to seeing you over Zoom and in person when all of this is done. But if you've got any questions, go to the website, email Hallie, uh, who is uh, the pastor for young adults. And thank you for listening.
Fill the 